It's that time of the year where everybody started to make their vacation plans on visiting Kentucky, the mecca of bourbon. And if you are coming to Kentucky, you need to make sure you visit us at Pursuit Spirits in Louisville. We're right in the heart of Clifton, near Butchertown and Nulu, and only just a few miles away from downtown Louisville. But when you do come, you need to book your experience to go do our whole shebang. This is the one that's really the star of the show. You get a full-on tasting. You get to do your own personal barrel selection experience. And you get to grab a whiskey thief and fill your bottle directly from the barrel. We're doing something completely brand new that nobody else is doing here in bourbon country. Plus, you get a free sweet tasting glass at the end of it. I guarantee you, you're going to end up being one of the many people that's also leaving us a five-star review. So make sure you come and check us out. You can book your reservation by going to PursuitSpirits.com and clicking the Visit Us button. Hey, everybody, what is going on? And welcome back to Behind the Pursuit I'm your host, Brian Bikey, and joining me tonight, we have with us again, Kenny and Ryan. What's going on, guys? Howdy. Hey, hey. It's still just us two. That's right. <laughs> Not much has changed. <laughs> Not much has changed. That's okay. Still us. And, and, and speaking speaking of us, you know, as at the time of this recording, it's today, at the time of listening, still pertinent, but uh, Pursuit Palooza, first annual, right? Went up, sold out. Let's talk about that quickly. Yeah, I'd love to. I mean, this is something that we had talked about for a little bit. It's one of those things that once you're in the podcasting space, people try to figure out, well, how do you how do you kind of grow it or how do you get people involved? And and some people are like, oh, we'll go and, you know, we'll sell we'll write a book or do something like that. And some people were like, oh, we'll do events. Honestly, ours just came out of, well, at least I know for me, it came out of a necessity to get rid of bourbon that's chilling in my basement because I just have so, so much of it. Um, but we also saw it as a good opportunity that we could really give back to the people that give back to us. I mean, when we were trying to figure out what this is going to look like, I looked at my basement. I was like, I can supply bourbon. And I know Ryan as well. We can supply bourbon for the entire weekend. Now I was trying to figure out how to make a weekend out of it that makes it seem enjoyable that people want to come to. So that was sort of the 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 nature of how Pursuit Palooza was born because we wanted to try to figure out how do we create an event that we can invite basically the people that support us and, and kind of have a like a big appreciation weekend. So this is something that, you know, there's nobody that's outside of our Patreon community, you know, was able to buy a ticket. Everything was sort of, you know, sort of under the covers in the community. Didn't send out the link to purchase a ticket until about five minutes before it went live. Just to try to keep it as undercover as possible because everybody told me they they said this is going to sell out immediately and i didn't really know what immediately meant but as soon as i you know as soon as it would it published at 12 o'clock i started refreshing it and within 30 seconds half the tickets were sold and within about five minutes about 90 percent of the tickets were sold and then there's you had this lag of around 10 or 15 minutes and then all of a sudden you just saw it was sold out so it was really kind of cool to see the entire community really kind of rallying around this. People have already said they've bought flights from Colorado and Washington and New York and all these places to make sure that they could be here for it. And I'm 
super just grateful that we have a community that loves to support us and that wants to you know be involved with a with something like this my goal with it well a was to get rid of bourbon but also to do a few different things you have all these other ideas that people want to get together and have a weekend that's all about well education and learning and seminars and you know i just said you learn that every single week with the podcast like let's just stick it together and have a big party for a weekend and that was really that i wanted to do with it is to try and figure out a way that we could bring people just to have a good time not to sit down and have to learn something or sit at a session or watch me and ryan record a podcast like i didn't want to do that i wanted to make something that was more of a party atmosphere for everyone yeah, and Kenny's uh, lying if he can only supply one weekend with his. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we could probably do this like once a quarter, and <laughs> maybe not get rid of all uh, the whiskey we have. But yeah, it's it was funny. We were at a barrel pick yesterday, and we were kind of talking about, it and everybody was like, "Oh, that's going to sell it instantly." We're like, "Uh, probably within a week," you know, I, I'd say. But yeah, just to piggyback on what Kenny said, we're super thankful for everyone that's ever supported us this is going to be a great fun weekend we're not making any money off of it it's a great value for a bourbon fan i mean my gosh i don't even think i've done something kenny and i've done something this jam-packed in a weekend for far as bourbon experiences so uh i'm gonna have to like prep myself for that weekend but it's gonna be a great time and great to see everyone that support us along the way yeah, I'm I'm actually really thrilled that even some people in our other smaller cuz you know we have we have kind of like a community in the community so like our Discord people are definitely like they're a little bit tighter and so they're already planning like a Thursday night get together to kind of make this even a longer weekend. Some people oh, said, <laughs> yeah, some people said, "Hey, can we go ahead and extend that room block to Wednesday? I want to come in Wednesday." So, it's it's really cool to kind of see people, you know, really just gather around this and and want to help you know, be a part of it. And, you know, Brian, you said it was the first annual. Well, it's TBD on the annual part. I hope we can do this every single year and, and make it fun. Uh, I just have to get up more of a blessing next time because it also happens to be my anniversary weekend. And my wife is not too happy about oh, that. Oh, no. Yeah, uh, you know. I, Smooth I move. Yeah, yeah our, you know, our anniversary is on June 5th. This is on June 3rd and 4th. And oh, I you're said, completely fine, man. That's what I said. I said, we still have Sunday, babe. This is great. <laughs> yeah, you're going to be a thousand percent on Sunday. <laughs> Come to there. Can we stay in? I'm a little draggy today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's a cool event. And, and again, like you mentioned early on, it actually leads right into what I wanted to talk about today. Just something that is a way to, to, to rally around the brand. And that's a unique thing to see when it comes to the brand. And what I want to talk about tonight is... Brand recognition. You know, I want to talk about for for you all as as Cecil Coleman, for you all as Pursuit Spirits sitting on the liquor store shelves. You know, what do we do when we have limited distribution or limited reach? How do you extend the reach? What are ways to extend the reach? What are ways to grow the brand? Uh, I'll I'll leave it kind of open ended. We'll, we'll we can continue to finesse as we go. Yeah, we'll need to finesse that, probably revisit a, a few of them because it was a little loaded with a bunch of questions in there. But I think we, even before we started recording today, it's like, how do you how do you get out there in front of a an audience if you don't have any marketing dollars? And it's like, well, of course, you start a podcast. That's that's the way you do it. Uh, and then you then five years later, uh, maybe you maybe you can launch your own brand. But no, it, seriously, it was, you know, when we when we look at how are we sort of 
taking this angle to the market and how are we able to really extend our marketing reach. Uh, I think this kind of goes back to first off, we're so lucky that we have the podcast as kind of being the original podcast of as Bourbon Pursuit, kind of being that marketing engine that really allowed us to kind of create that first visible kind of note that people are, they have some sort of connection to whether you don't even listen to the podcast, you probably follow us on Instagram, or you might have seen a video on TikTok, or you've done something like you have some sort of thing that you have some sort of connection to the name. And maybe it's just not Pursuit United or, or Pursuit Series, because those are loosely connected, if you will. But we definitely do try and and market that through our different platforms, whether it is the podcast or whether it is social media. That is that is the the one advantage that we do have over any brand that is just starting because we do have an established footprint in the social media space. But we also have to understand that that's also pretty limited. Um, when we think of limited, it's it's to the whiskey geeks. It's to the people that are actually the ones scrolling Instagram and liking pictures of bottles. Like those, like that is not the normal, it's not a normal person. And so, I mean, there, there are people, but you know, we have to consider ourselves not the most normal sometimes if, if that's what it is. But part of it is making sure that we are attacking that sort of sector first. Like we know where the Whiskey Geek lives. We know what the Whiskey Geek wants. When we started the brand, just being Pursuit Series, we said, we're going to start a line of whiskeys that we know is attractive to a whiskey consumer. The same thing happened when we went to Pursuit United. And that's why we're so probably overly transparent with what we do is because we know that's what a whiskey consumer and a whiskey enthusiast really wants to hear. Now, that's going to be a longer tail to figure out what does that mean to, to break into other markets or to break beyond that particular consumer. And that also kind of goes back into our, our community and the people that we that are kind of like our big cheerleaders, right? And that's what I love about Patreon. It's, it's, those are our cheerleaders. Like those are the people that are, you know, your thousand true fans, the ones that you can always count on, you can rely on. They're going to be the ones that, you know, help you or want to do something that is, you know, good natured and they're, you know, they, they just want to help. Like that's what it comes down to. And we look at that as we have to kind of have some sort of grassroots movement of how does any brand that doesn't have a huge marketing budget, how do they get picked up off the shelves? And you can look at things like, uh, you know, Smoke Wagon and, and uh, Blue Run and, and probably a good handful of others is that it didn't just become a social media thing. It was, it was word of mouth. Word of mouth marketing is by far the best way that you can get in front of a consumer because who are you going to trust? These guys that are Instagram famous, or are you going to trust your best friend that said, hey, this whiskey's really good. You should go pick up a bottle. And if we can continue down that path and we can make sure that we have you know, a very happy customer base and they enjoy our product, then we kind of have to, it, it's not a, I mean, it, it technically is a little slow. Not, as Ryan always says, nothing's an overnight success. And you kind of have to let that slow drip and that slow trickle kind of take its process where, yeah, just because we put out 10,000 bottles doesn't mean they're going to sell out in 24 hours, but we have the opportunity to make sure we get the bottles in the hands of our biggest cheerleaders and that they're the ones that will go and take them to other whiskey meetups or to whiskey society meetings or share them with friends or share them with neighbors and say, hey, you can go here, you can buy it, or you can go here. And, and it's just sort of those things that it will hopefully eventually kind of break beyond that barrier. But it's going to be a, it's going to be a, 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 I wouldn't say a long road, but it's definitely a slower uh you know, maneuvering process to get through there versus traditional marketing when you can just throw a bunch of dollars, put people in front of the stores and do 
hand self hand sell things and you know come meet the makers and here come take a sip and hopefully you buy a bottle and that's that's a lot it's tough to do one bottle at a time to hand sell things um, but that's what you can do if you have a lot of marketing dollars behind you too Kenny did a great job explaining <laughs> know, most really, things there I was, but, I was uh, like gosh did I hit all the questions there <laughs> If you're in any business or any you're trying to market a product, I, I highly recommend anyone just check out Seth Godin's stuff. Um, he's been like instrumental in teaching me and how to market your brand and build trust and whatnot. And you know, he always talks about we're in a trust economy, we're in a connection economy. And so, what we were able to do with the podcast, as Kenny said, we built that connection, we built that trust. You know, it took a long time, um, and then. He always says, get the smallest viable audience first and like try to get those thousand first true fans. Like Kevin Kelly also said that who founded Inc. Magazine and whatnot. But Seth Cohen talks about it all the time. So you try to get your thousand true fans. And that's what we've done is we got our thousand true fans and they're like really passionate about us. And, you know, you look at, I mean, hell, even like Weller 12, God, it took them 30 years to like take off, you know, but who who got them there? It's the whiskey geeks, you know. We knew about Weller Twelve and One Hundred Seven and this and that, and we were buying it for years. And then, who who started buying it? The people we told they should buy it because it's a cousin of Pappy or whatever, you know. And so it's yes, the whiskey geek audience is very niche of a niche, and it's very small. But it's also too who your family members at Christmas Christmas time listen to when they go to buy Derby bottles, or they're like, hey. I'm looking to buy something cool for, you know, my family or this and that. Who do they go to? They're like, who's the bourbon nerd in my family? And uh, and I happen to be one of those, so I get a lot of texts and requests every year. And I'm like, well, buy ours, of course. But, um, you know, it's just that that's going to be the, you know, it's a slow drip. We're, we're all about putting a really good product and building trust with our customers. We're not going to, you know, as Kenny said, we're going to be transparent about, parent about what we're going to do. We're always going to put a quality product out there that we can stand by. So when someone does take the chance on us, you know, they're going to rave about it to our, you know, to the next person or, you know, I always tell people, Hey, I know you're nervous about buying a four to five year whiskey, buy it, throw it in your blind taste list with your buddies, see what happens, you know, and more times than not, they're like, Oh my gosh, you know, we had it against the big hitters like Elijah Craig, Barrel Proof and Rare Bird or not Rare Bird, Rare Breed. Gosh, he's a DJ's <laughs> he's, in your head. DJ's ruined rare breed for me. Everything is rare bird now. <laughs> no, that's just, it's going to be a slow process and we'll, we'll hate continually have to refine because you will have to go from, you know, that whiskey geek audience to a common, I, I, I keep saying common folk, which I can't say that. <laughs> I know, but, but the you, common you know, consumer, the general, the public. common general yeah. public, you know, where, you know, they're buying value brands that, you know, like Knob Creek, this or that. And those are all great. You know, products at a great price will never be able to compete, but I can promise you, and this is the story that we have to convey, is that Kenny and I will put all we can to each batch, each product, and it it, it will be of quality, and that's what we have to communicate to make ourselves stand out in the shelf space among, you know, others. How we're going to do that, that's to be determined, but, you know, first of all, you got to focus on the product, and that will lead to great things long 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 term you sound like a men's warehouse commercial there for a minute yeah you're gonna you're gonna like the way you drink <laughs> <laughs> one of those things that i really think that ryan hits a hits a really good point there and when we try to say that you know this is this is going to be a long haul it's nothing that you're going to break through 
very, very quickly. And you have to make sure that you capture that first audience. But it's going to be one of those things that we continually will have to evolve on what our marketing strategy is and how that's going to change. Right now, it is definitely focused on how do we take the podcast and be able to push that, not push it, but really, you know, that's our leverage. It. Yeah, and then leverage it. How do we, how do we push the, put this in front of our existing uh, listeners and let them know we have a great whiskey and, and make sure that they can give it a chance to try it. And granted, we've had reviews come out that have been on Reddit that have been less than favorable. That's fine. It's cool. It's a four to five year whiskey. I'm not trying to say we're better than Knob Creek 15 by any means, but it's one of those things that as long as we get you know, a little bit of visibility and you keep that going, then that's that's all we can really ask for. And what's the next phase of this going to look like? It's a good question. Um, you know, that was also the reason why we started this podcast that, you know, you're listening to right now was we said, we've been in the podcast space, we do it pretty good. And I feel that we have a lot more things to talk about when it just comes to this particular segment. And people could probably learn a few different things from it as well. And hopefully feel a connection to our story and a connection to our brand. And hopefully that helps you make your next decision when you're trying to figure out what bottle do you want to buy? I mean, if, if you're only, you know, you got a quarter left of Pursuit United and you're like, ah, I should probably get another one. Yeah, you probably should. Like, that's that's what we want you to do. We want to make sure that you have some sort of connection to the brand. And, you know, when we start putting out the reviews of the Pursuit series in a little bit longer form, you know, I'll let Brian kind of do those is because he's the king of tasting notes when it comes around here. Like, that's just one extra way that you can have a little bit more connection into the insight of this. It's not just reading another blog or what somebody else says, but you get to hear it from the founders. You get to hear it from, you know, the, our mouths of, of kind of like our story and the trials and tribulations everything between. So it's all about creating that connection and making sure that consumers feel that that connection as well. I think the goal for us is just to be as, you know, with this new podcast and with the brand is just to be a, as authentic, transparent, and real as possible. Like we're, you know, we're not going to sugarcoat it. We're going to reveal every downfall, every win, every failure we've had. It's like, and so that people understand like, you know, this is who we are. It's not um, you know, like Aaron from smoke wagon, I truly believe that is who he is and people gravitate towards that. You know, it's like, so we're not just going to be some flashy Insta famous turds, you know, putting, you know, crap stuff in a bottle, but a pretty bottle. And, uh, we should probably get some prettier bottles. Maybe, maybe we can try yeah, that one out, but I'm sure I've been called a turd a time or two. Definitely been called a tater podcaster. So <laughs> putting tater whiskey. Yeah. I think, our goal is just to be as real and authentic as possible. And how do we convey that without coming off as, you know, experts or pretentious or this or that, you know, that's just what we're going to have to figure out as we move forward. Kenny, you had mentioned when you were talking about the brand recognition stuff initially, you, you had touched a little bit on word of mouth and you were talking about, you know, like meeting the makers and all that kind of stuff, like in person, whether it's in the way you positioned that was sort of, that that would take a lot of marketing dollars, that would take a lot of personnel or hours or whatnot. Uh, in the climate that we are in with social media, with the way the stores are, maybe because of the invo involvement of the the reps, the you know the distributors, do you still see uh, importance in the localized liquor stores and and making relationships with the stores and the markets that you work with, or um, you know do you do you all yourselves get to some of the stores that sell your all's products, whether it's here or in some of those other markets, or do you recommend that for, you know, for other brands who are, you know, looking into, you know, brand recognition, is that still advantageous in, in this particular day and age or, 
are there more advantageous directions or or avenues for them to cross before they would you know tap into that yeah i mean it's you have to i mean gosh we've said it before is like you've got to take care of the people that take care of you and you know, as I mentioned before, like we've got our we've got our thousand true fans that are our community. There are cheerleaders are the ones that are going out and buying the bottles or sharing the bottles and talking about them. But at the end of the day, we also have to look at the stores that carry our stuff that are also trying to hand sell it to new customers, the people that don't know us. And they're like, oh, these guys also have this podcast. They should, you know, go listen to it, go do all this. So that's definitely something that we d- we need to do more of. Unfortunately, it's one of those things of uh, a balance of, of time and everything else that goes into it. Because as everybody probably knows already that this is not Ryan and I's full-time job. We both have other full-time gigs outside of bourbon, plus family and everything like that. So making the idea of taking off uh, a week to go and pound the pavement in Texas and go do the rounds in San Antonio and Dallas and stuff, like that's not gonna happen in the short term. Like it's unfortunate that we can't make that happen. But it is also fortunate that we don't have enough product to send there. Like if we had so much product and we really needed to entrench in every single store and we needed to make sure that we shook the hands of all these managers and they were able to kind of make that connection and they are the ones that kind of be our salespeople. Yeah, we probably would need to do that. But we're such a small sliver right now that we don't really have a need to yet. And that was kind of when we first started. I said, you know, we're going to be a digital first company. Like we are going to make everything go through um, you know, the internet, like we're not going to even have distributors. It's all going to be online sales. That was a quick uh, realization that we had to go through standard distribution because it is a lot easier to use a distributor to get it out to uh, a huge network across the country than it is to say, I'm going to try to point everybody to one online retail store and have them be the, the, the router of e-commerce for us. That it didn't work out that way because you end up having to do a lot more education for the consumer to try and point them to the website to purchase something than it is to say, oh, just go here to the store and go pick it up. Because that's what people are used to. Like, don't try to change people's buying habits. I know Ryan has a pretty good probably quote from there when you were talking to your family about buying our early bottles and stuff. What was my quote? Remember, well, I'll say it for you because we were talking to family members and they're like, oh, Ryan, where can I buy your bourbon? And you're like, oh, you got to go to this website and buy it and have it shipped to you. And they're like, I'm not doing that. (laughs) Yeah. They're like, what do you mean I can't go to a store? And I was like, come on, you order everything on Amazon Prime. Why can't you order your bottles, buddy? But yeah, that's, yeah, we kind of learned fast that that wasn't going to work. And they're, like Kenny said, we're fortunate that demand we have and the amount of product is like kind of perfect right now like so we don't have to go out hand sell but we have done some things like i've gone to some bourbon club you know different parties and you know and i've kept great relationships with some bourbon clubs i've done we've done some zoom meetings you know with bourbon clubs tastings and whatnot i think it's very important because it is a a new product and it's a hand sell product you know when someone's in the shelving they're like show me a cool unique bourbon you know you have to have somebody there on your side to say well justin's house of bourbon's been a fantastic partner and they've been able to move product very very fast because they're there they guide people along you know what are you looking for something unique and that that, and unfortunately in other stores they're just not you know set up that way um you know it's more just like stock the shelves and let's people go and pick what they want and too, but we've, you know, if you ever Google, you know, Pursuit United, say you're in the store, the first page is going to be pretty full of 
really good reviews. So we've built a great relationship with other bourbon media members and websites, blogs, and reviewers. And, and we didn't sure we didn't force them to write those nice. We didn't force them. We just sent them free samples and said, "Let us know what you think." You know, there kind of gives us some validation if somebody's going through the store and whatnot. So we're going to continue to do that and uh, foster those relationships. Not that we're bribing them or in any ways, but we love everyone in the bourbon community and it's kind of a rising tides uh, industry. So yeah, I I definitely think there's, we're going to have to do that as we move more mainstream and educate. You know, I can remember with Russell's reserve or four roses or or whatnot. I mean, I used to go to those (laughs) liquor barn when Jimmy Russell was there, Jim Rutledge, you know, the master stiller and you're like, Oh, this is so cool. And then you kind of, you meet them and then you're like, next thing you know, you're buying four roses for a year, you know, like that you never bought before. Definitely. You got to build those connections. It's a little easier now with online presence. You know, you can do streaming, you know, the bourbon community roundtable and everything we do kind of helps elevate and spread our name. But, uh, yeah, I think those people love those in-person, uh, events as well. Yeah. I'm all about like biggest impact for the time because we all have what's the most finite thing we all have and that's time we had to figure out how do we maximize the time and what we do and it is it is easy to get kind of get caught up in having a a one-to-one conversation with somebody and tell them about their product and having them sample it and you know hoping they buy a bottle versus it is to pop on a live stream and get in front of you know, 800 people in the span of an hour or, you know, a hundred people or, you know, the couple thousand that might listen to this. Like it's an easier way to kind of do that in a digital first way. And I also want to note, Ryan had talked about bourbon clubs. Yeah. We've done a few different bourbon society meetings. So if you are running a bourbon society or you're in one and you do those kind of zoom kind of meetings and you all have pursuit United in your area and you want to kind of do a tasting walkthrough, have our tell a story to your group, please reach out. We love doing those. Like that's one of the coolest things of, again, sort of like it's, it's a lot easier because Hey, it's like Tuesday or Wednesday evening. We can kind of have these conversations with people, but it's also a little bit higher impact. We can talk to 30 whiskey geeks at once and it's kind of open kimono. You can ask whatever sort of questions you want and, and we'll be as open and transparent as we can. The one thing that really we lack when it comes to brand awareness is the fact that we're not on every shelf or not everywhere. And that ends up kind of hurting us a little bit because if you have a product that immediately sells out or you don't have enough product to get on a bunch of shelves, then you miss out on the general public that would eventually see it or want to know more about it or just happens to be walking around and wants to know more. You you want to sell through. That's great. But you also want to, you don't want it to be so quick that, you know, only the first 10 people in the door buy it and then it's gone because you miss the other couple thousand that could just be walking through and just kind of get a glance at it. So there is a, there's a double-edged sword when it comes to that too. It, the good example of that is like a total wine, you know, it sold out really quickly and you're like, wow, that's great. And then for a while they had Pursuit United sold out, you know, and then a couple weeks later, it's just gone. And so it's, you know, you're missing that, you know, that visual aspect and being on the shelf there, you know, and that's, that, that's a perfect example of not having enough product and what it can do to your, uh, your branding as well. Now you all jumped right into to where I was going with that, you know, in, in coffee, when I've worked with, with certain producers, you know, from certain regions, I've talked to some who their markets, maybe someone in Japan or some, someone in a different country wants to buy all of their lot. And you would think, 
Someone who wants to purchase everything from you sounds good. You have guaranteed sell. But the problem with that is not having the diversity of other people having access to your product is going to hinder your growth because you're limiting your market and you're closing off to, to, like you said, people being able to walk in and discover your brand. So, you know, you did kind of touch on a little bit, but I will ask it again, maybe a slightly different way, you know, with the volumes being what they are, as you all are growing, the, the releases being the size that they are, do you find that that limited distribution limits your ability to grow the brand and which you've already said, yes, you do. What do you do to offset that? If yes, the thousand true fans, every time a release comes out, they're able to get a bottle. But the, I would think that maybe their friends would trust their opinion, but you still got to get them to buy it. And if every time that customer goes to try, they can't, you create a frustration point for them. And, you know, how, and maybe we haven't really been able to see it yet. But you know, what's, how, how are we going to work through combating that to make sure at some point in time, the people who want to try Pursuit are going to be able to try Pursuit. Yeah, that's it is a good question, because even today we get probably at least one email per week. And I think we actually had probably two emails or three emails this past week of distributors in different states saying, hey, we want to carry your product. But the reality of the situation is we don't have enough product that we can satisfy that. We don't we barely have enough product that we can satisfy for the existing, the existing states that we're in. And we originally started with these existing states because we had we had sort of a little bit of a, you know, we had we sold some single barrels and that's how we kind of had pursuit series there. And we said, okay, we'll kind of trickle this out in the market in different regions. But the the op, the kind of bad thing is is that we haven't been able to keep up with the demand when they're saying, oh, hey, can we go ahead and reorder? I mean, that was one of the things that that Texas had sent us when they sent when we sent them the United Rye. Not even three days after the order was received and it was out and it was sold. They say, hey, can, when can we reorder? And I'm like, in uh, 12 months? Like, that's that's all I can tell you. It, that's the unfortunate thing is that you know it it doesn't it doesn't go very far, and. That is why we're probably not going to be opening up any other states anytime soon is just because you're not going to go very far. And we just have to kind of be cognizant of that going forward is that we have to be making sure that we do trickle it out as as much as we can. We are very we are very targeted in the states that we originally and initially opened up, you know, thinking of of Texas, Tennessee, Kentucky. Those were those are big states when it comes to whiskey. Those are just kind of states where you kind of have to have a little bit of a presence to make sure that you're in front of the the major and major whiskey consumers that are out there. And then we looked at things like Illinois, which is a massive following that we have for the podcast. And just in the Chicago region, we have a big following in the Columbus area in Ohio. And those just seemed like natural places to open up too. Uh, same thing with Denver. And and we started just looking at the data that was coming from the podcast. And, and that was really the way that I said, these are probably going to be really good states to kind of go after only because people are asking for them. Uh, plus, you got to look at some states like Illinois and Texas, where shipping laws uh, don't necessarily exist. And so we can't say, oh, just go to Sealbox and go get yourself a bottle. Like we have to get it on the shelves there. Like we have to get the presents. And that's just a sort of like the initial step. And I would think that step two or whatever the next stage is going to be is, you know, we've got to scale it up and we've got to say, okay, how many more, how many more cases do you want to take on in a calendar year? And do you need us there in person? Do we need to kind of do a road show for a week and hopefully in a few years we'll be able to kind of you know 
take a take a few weeks off here and there and kind of go visit certain key states and go visit certain distributors and and kind of just have those sort of those relationships and those bonds that you kind of need because a lot of times it's not like when you're dealing with a distributor it's not always just there's you know some other just company or factory under the line like these are still people like these are people these are this is a human relationship and something that you kind of have to nurture and 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 be a part of and so that's one of the things that we're going to have to take a little bit more, I would say take a little bit more seriously, we already take it seriously, but we, we, we're going to have to do more of in the future. Brian, you mentioned how do you compensate for the lack of, you know, product being available. And I think the, how do you compensate for it is that it, it creates scarcity. And as we know, people love scarcity. And so while you, we might be sacrificing growth now, we're still building demand um, with the product we have. And so hopefully that somewhat scarcity factor and high demand will lead to more people wanting it that's not able to be. It's like, look at Buffalo Trace. You know, they're brilliant at at the allocation game and spreading product out to where it's wanted, you know, more scarcity. It's like just here in town, you go to El Mundo, they have, you know, you'd think it's the most popular restaurant in the place, but it's because it has 10 tables. And, you know, it's always packed. So you're like, gosh, it's always packed. You know, we can never get in there. And great margaritas. And great margaritas. margaritas. Oh, the food and margaritas are (laughs) great. Don't get me wrong, but you're always like, man, it's so packed there all the time because it's just a small place. So that will be better for us in the long term. But it does stink that you can't like strike while the iron's hot because people want your product now. Distributors want to carry it. And so it is kind of frustrating and you hope that long term it doesn't damage, you know, that potential uh, market share in the future. Fingers crossed. I would love. We know. I know what the scale point is when we look at Stag Junior, Elijah Craig Barrel Proof, and and these are these are really good brands and really great whiskey. And people clear the shelves, and that's probably like as much as we'll ever have. If our product was ever as hot as those, where it just was on the shelf, off the shelf, I would be elated if that was the case, but. We're going to have a lot more marketing in front of us to make that happen, but it's it's one of those things that you you kind of have to make sure that you influence the whiskey consumer first, and making sure that or the whiskey enthusiast, and and that is really where a lot of the, the trickle down the, effect. Yeah, yeah, that, and I'd say I was about to say the train that kind of pulls the or the engine that pulls the dress of the train is that you know they're the ones that find it first, educate others, talk about it, and then all of a sudden other people start gravitating towards it, and we can't we can't rely on the Fred Minnick effect, so we have to uh, do that on our own. For anyone out there who doesn't have, I will say the privilege of having, you know, a pre-existing history that Bourbon Pursuit does coming into Pursuit Spirits and is looking to establish more brand recognition coming on the market. Do you have any first steps or like key things that you would give as suggestions to helping expand that? Say they're considering purchasing, but they're kind of skit or as Kenny would say, free consulting moment, right? So this is this is okay. not exactly pulling the curtain back on on your all's example. We know that that Bourbon Pursuit has really helped the position of of brand recognition al- alongside of and helping hopefully propel you know pr- pursuit spirits. But for other folks who don't have that, who might be startup, whether they're buying on source market, whether they're you know laying down some new make as well, or they're getting into blending, whatever it is that they're doing, if they're looking to have some wider brand recognition without, you know, the history that 
Urban Pursuit is probably I got you, you all. What, I see, what kind of advice I see. do you give? Yeah, I mean, first off, come up with a, you know, a true authentic story, you know, be yourself. Like, why did you get into this? Why are you different? Why should someone try you out? That's, you know, that's what, that's, that's the beginning stages of it. But from there, it's just, you know, Kenny can probably give you a better roadmap than I can. But to, to me, it's all about authenticity. You know, Kenny knows that for me, it's like, how can we be as real as possible and not that we evaluate how do we be real but we're just we're just us and I feel like brands can do that too it's like you have if you got into this it's because you have a unique position or unique offering and if you don't the market will sniff that out really quick and they won't buy it you know you can put it in the flashiest bottle whatnot whatever you know that's but they'll if if you're not like someone that somebody can connect to those bottles are going to sit in those glass shelves forever, you know, and then they won't get reordered and whatnot. So to me, it's come up with an authentic story and then, you know, trying to get that online presence. Then the biggest, the fastest big bang for your buck is getting in with bourbon clubs to me. The first off, you know, if you have a good product, bourbon clubs are thirsty. Their whiskey geeks are always looking for the next thing. They're always looking for what's new, what's hot, what's this, who can I get, who can I tag along to that hasn't made it yet so I can go on the journey with him? You know, that's what Whiskey Geeks want. You saw that with, you know, Willet, you know, the new riff. Uh, you've seen it with Blue Run. It's like, how can we attach ourselves to these people first, be the first ones so we can go along for the ride? And so that's kind of, that's probably where I would kind of start off. Go along for the ride, plus get, first access to the the best barrels that they have at the right <laughs> at, the, exactly. at the very start right yeah there's there's a lot of good things that you know any company can kind of look at if you're just starting out and you're wanting to get brand recognition uh you know first off Ryan had mentioned kind of starting off with a story honestly i think that's it's twofold so if you're like us yeah you have to have a story you have to have something that resonates with people or if you're a small distillery you have to have something that you know what it what it means to you uh the other side of the thing is is that you look at conglomerates that are able to just buy, you know, tens of thousands of barrels on open market. And, you know, they create a brand and they throw a bunch of marketing dollars behind it. That's fine. It's going to work. Like it's going to sell because you're able to do that. You're able to, uh, you know, just, just sort of penetrate the market just through traditional means. But if you don't have the brand recognition, you're trying to figure this out sort of from a grassroots movement and how do you do it at a low cost dollar? I mean, the easiest way to look at it is what's what's the, what's the lowest cost dollar that you can do to get in front of people, and that's going to be social media. It costs zero dollars, literally zero dollars to do social media, and all you have to do is use the right hashtags, do the right engagement, and start building up a little bit of following here and there. But you have to be you have to be you just can't like show a picture of you know your you know hand holding a glass and say ah you know what a great night for a poor right. Like, it's got to be something that like as an essence of like what the brand stands for. So you got to figure out like what's your brand strategy and what is your, what does your brand really stand for and who's your target consumer? And that's what you have to go for. So the social media side is one thing. Uh, you know, the other side is something that we, we had to, it's the, it's the easiest playbook or easiest play in the playbook. And, and that is sending out media samples to influencers because it costs you, gosh, what, maybe 10 to $15 all in on whiskey samples, boxes, making it look snazzy, something like that to get in front of some plus shipping to get it in front of somebody. And you're not going to get everybody's not going to review it. 
Some people aren't going to be favorable to it, but you are able to get a little bit of spotlight into some of those kind of either trade issue magazines or influencers that are out there. And there's also one thing that you can look at a little bit differently is you also have this idea of like the micro influencer world as well, is that you don't have to go for the the heavy whales out there that have, you know, the 50 or 80 or 100,000 followers. You go to the people that have two, three, four, five, six thousand followers and you kind of flood them. And so it's sort of like is a, you know, you kind of spread it out a lot further. And so that's the way you can kind of get your marketing dollars to go uh, a lot quicker. But at the end of the day, you know, you got to make sure you have good whiskey. I, I always love a few different people that are critics of of whiskey media out there. And people say that, you know, the only time people actually write good things is because they get free whiskey. And, you know, that's not always the case. There's a lot of people that out there that have a lot of good integrity and they're not going to just pad a review only because you gave them freed whiskey. And you've just got to make sure that you are, you're putting out a good product and making sure that if your whiskey sucks, if you don't like it, then odds are a whiskey, a whiskey consumer is not going to like it. Or even if you think you do like it, maybe you should get, you know, like a, your own little community round table or your own little circle of group of friends that can be honest with you. Because that's what you're going to need. You're going to need somebody to be painfully honest with you uh, to see exactly if, if your whiskey's good. But then also try to find a business coach or somebody that is you know, in tune enough that can look at your strategy, look at your roadmap, see what your financials might be, and figure it out if you're moving in the right direction too. Yeah, it's, it's actually interesting in retrospect. I think I remember uh, Ryan coming into the cafe sometime or bringing me some samples by way back I when, did. before I even... before you know, doing stuff with you all was even a possibility. I think I was kind of, I was probably kind of nasty about it. Uh, at least one or two times. Positively nasty about it. I can't tell you how many times I gave product to Fred or, you know, the guys from the bourbon community roundtable and just, I, I like that honest feedback to be like, all right, guys, you're the market. Tell me what's up. <laughs> you know, if I don't make you happy, then we don't stand a chance. And so... I agree with Kenny. That was a great advice. It's like, you know, find people in this community that can, you know, put your product to the test and make sure you win them over first before you go uh, preaching the gospel to uh, some newbies. What are your thoughts on taking Pursuit Palooza on the road? Kind of like the the Bartown Bourbon Company, you know, trailer thing that they have. And, you you know, you were talking about you don't really have the time to, to take off a week to to hit up some spots. But what if... You traveled all around the U.S. just slinging United. <laughs> well, uh, like we Brad need, Paisley. Yeah, we need to get an RV. We we'll put some logos on it. I think that's that's step one. Come they, on, yeah. You know, funny enough, you say that. So usually every Friday there is the virtual happy hour. That's through Discord and our Patreon community. And we actually had somebody say that they're like, "Hey, you should probably do this. We'd love to have it in Atlanta. Uh, make that happen there." And I said, "Yeah, but we don't have BBC in Atlanta and all these other kind of ideas that I had that we could do like a whole weekend out of things." But you know that that also goes into you know part of the weekend is one night. It's all a Pursuit Spirits night. It's all the old single barrels. It's some unreleased single barrels. It's Pursuit United and kind of just like getting people really ingrained into our brand as well. Because even though everybody's coming, they all have heard of it. They've probably not had a chance to try everything or maybe they haven't even bought United. But this is an opportunity for us to kind of get this in front of, you know, our biggest fans for a fun weekend. So I, I kind of look at this as a, you know, it's a, it's not a dual marketing approach. It's just kind of 
it all kind of worked out only because we had a bunch of single barrels that we could put towards this. And I think it'd be really kind of cool to have a, a pursuit spirits night. But I do think this is something that we could continue on for the future and and hopefully be able to, you know, get pursuit spirits and our particular single barrels and united in front of more people in sort of like a, a very casual, relaxed atmosphere. And who knows, maybe in the future we'll have a booth at you know the bourbon affair or whatever it is that we can go and even get it in front of more people in that kind of traditional sense, if you will. It would be nice if Fred brought uh bourbon beyond back and we, you know, every time we did a talk, we'd be like, here we go. Pursuit United, you know, yes, have our yes. own talk about it. But uh, we're going to wear, we're, yeah. we're going to wear Pursuit United t-shirts this time. We're not going to have bourbon pursuit. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great idea. But uh, here for it. Yeah. I mean, I'm totally down for it. It's just, Right now, the the juice isn't worth the squeeze because, like I said, we don't have the extra product to sell. But once uh, once we do, I think there's going to be value in that, and I would love to go on the road and meet people. And I, I that's I get so much enjoyment and passion out of like I, that's what I love about our barrel picks. You know that we do not just for the Pursuit United or Pursuit series that we do just through the podcast. It's like we have our fans come in, we get to meet them, get to talk to them. And it's a special moment, you know, and that I would love to do that to to go preach the United and Pursuit Series gospel as well. Plus, could you imagine an RV full of like four slushy machines with just different flavors of United <laughs> bourbon slushies? That's 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 what I'd be about. Yeah, your, your head slushy master. You got to come up with a recipe. I got some recipes in my head. Don't worry about it. A clear dance floor while we're at it too. <laughs> yeah. That was a really fun topic, guys. If you all want to bring up other topic ideas or you have questions for the guys, remember you can email us, podcast at pursuitspirits.com, and we'd love to get into some of those on future episodes of the podcast. Guys, thanks so much for tuning in to the podcast. Until next time, we'll see you all later. <laughs>